You are listening to the 2022 Air and Space Power Conference, brought to you by the Royal Australian Air Force's Air and Space Power Centre. In this presentation, Professor Tanya Munro contributes with their discussion on the nexus between resilience and innovation. We join the presentation as it is introduced to the conference attendees. Now to discuss the innovation of link, innovation and operations and resilience link, please welcome our Chief Defence Scientist, Professor Tanya Munro. Thank you, John. Thank you, Carl. And you can buy one of those at Questacon just down the road. <laughs> Absolute pleasure to be here today to share with you some thinking around the nexus between innovation and resilience. And to frame my thoughts, I'd like to start with a couple of definitions. But what I won't do is re reframe and define resilience, because we've just had a tour de force on that. And we see the complexity that has come into that landscape over the last few decades. But what I do want to do is start by defining what innovation means in a defence context. Because I think too often innovation is seen as the new widget that solves your problem. Or if you're an innovator, how do I get someone to care about the technology that I've developed? So I'd like to start by framing innovation as generating ideas and putting them into practice to give us an edge over our adversaries, because that's what we want to do. And that takes it away from being purely technologies, but everything from our modes of operation right through to the way our people work and interact with emerging technology. Just to give you a wonderful example from yesterday, yesterday we recognised this year's winner of the Minister's Award for Defence Science, and that was Dr. Alex Kalianatis for his work on reframing how our Joint Operations Command, HQ, works, for how our operators, when they deal with information coming in from an operation, make decisions and interact with each other. It could not be a more vivid example of innovation as applied to the human and decision-making domain, and is probably as far as anyone would imagine from the traditional use of innovation. Now, I put it to you that innovation and resilience are inextricably linked. If we're to have the resilience to weather unexpected challenges, the better we are at generating ideas and putting them into practice, the greater the likelihood that we will be able to have that trade space, that manoeuvre space, to prevail in the contested environment. Now, this audience knows that rapid advances in technology are meaning that we're facing a range of threats as well as a range of opportunities. And it's been really interesting to watch over the last decade or two as science, technology, innovation and industry capability is now undeniably a theatre of strategic competition. There's a race for global dominance in critical and emerging technologies that promise military, economic and social advantage. I put it to you that Australia must respond by bringing together all of the elements of power at our disposal. We must consciously and deliberately align diplomacy, policy, strategy, intelligence and investment. All while leveraging what I argue is our greatest strength alliances and partnerships. Partnerships matter whether they're at home or with our international allies and partners. 
By working together, we can effectively compete and create that resilience. Critically, the strength and depth of our science, technology, innovation and industry capability cooperation and ability to co-develop things rapidly is critical to our allies. And it underpins the credibility of our collective deterrence and our national resilience. Because collaboration enables us to get a technological edge in combined military combat power. It enhances interoperability and interchangeability and improves the security of our shared supply chains. Now, to embrace innovation in defence, we must strive to harness the best ideas and the newest technology as it becomes available. We want to turn creative concepts and new ideas wherever they come from into capability advantage at the pace of relevance. We know that there are many areas of critical technology competition. Hypersonics, autonomous systems, directed energy, quantum computing, biotechnology, space, advanced materials. I haven't got the time within these 20 minutes to even list them all, but I will give some really pithy examples as well as share with you, I guess, a way of thinking that I think we need to embrace if we're going to change the way we innovate in defence. Now, of course, Australia is not alone in recognising the critical role that innovation plays in preparing our armed forces to meet the challenges of the future. The technology used by our partners, our allies and our potential adversaries is also advancing apace. And for me, this raises three really important questions. The first is to keep up. Can we adopt similar or better technologies to allow the Australian Defence Force to maintain comparative combat power? The second question is, can we adopt measures to defeat or minimise the impact of technology that might be used by potential adversaries? And the third is, can we identify specific opportunities to give Australia a capability edge that suits our size, our skills and our resources that cannot be easily defeated, copied or neutralised by an adversary? Now, answers to these questions involve harnessing, harnessing niche research capability in our universities. They require building sovereign industry capability and they require new ways of working and sharing information with our closest allies. It requires us training our innovation systems to be mission directed, to tackle specific problems with speed and with gusto, and in doing so, unleash the creativity of our people and deepen our relationships so that we have the muscle memory we need within our ecosystems to deliver capability advantage. So before I get to some of the really specific examples, I think it's important to reflect that an important element here is to not be surprised by the emergence of new technology. Of course, one of the best ways to weather challenges is to see them coming and to be prepared. And so technology foresighting is an area of significant growth within Australia. We're working across whole of government with a focus on developing a cohesive approach to monitoring, analysing, evaluating the implications of science and technological developments to prevent strategic and tactical surprise. We're investing in pr improving technology foresighting techniques and methodologies 
so we can enhance our ability to track, detect, and model game-changing technologies. And disruption is not merely a characteristic of a technology, that's lazy thinking, but it is rather a process that arises from the congruence of the technology, its concept of use, and the environment in which it's applied. And we see this routinely now with the quick adoption of commercial off-the-shelf technologies to new problems. Factors such as societal values, organisational culture, time and technological integration are also important in determining the extent of disruption. Defence regularly evaluates trends across technology areas and tracks hundreds of candidate technologies, filtering them down to the small handful that are potentially disruptive so that we know what we can do about them. From my conversations with allies around the world, there's something quite special about the way Australia does this. We fuse together analysis, intelligence, and science deep expertise in order to get this way forward. And I'd like to give just one example. It's the tip of the iceberg. And it's the question of autonomous swarms, which are fast becoming a technological reality. We know that swarming already allows the control of enormous numbers of assets in a scalable fashion, and that operators will be able to control swarms as a singular entity at a macro level without needing to communicate or control individual elements of the swarm. And the impact, the disruptive impact of a swarm is that countering large numbers of attributable drones is very difficult, and countering swarms is even more difficult. Our response must be multi-layered and integrate both hard and soft kill techniques. And in particular, what comes from focusing in on some of these emerging disruptive technologies is whole new concepts of operation, not just new technology. So what I'd like to do now is quickly describe my role and some of the work my group does in order to then go to some really powerful examples and a different way of working. So as the Chief Defence Scientist, the role that's been my privilege to be in for just over three years now, I lead Australia's Defence Science and Technology Group within the Department of Defence. And I'd like to take a moment to reflect on the fact that next month, Defence Science in Australia is 115 years old. Something I think that is under-realised under and appreciated, and it is an organisation that has delivered extraordinary outcomes for Australia in that 115-year history. We've recently revisited the core purpose and mission of our group, and I share it with you. It's to develop innovative technologies that can be delivered by industry and transitioned into defence capability, and to shape innovation, science and technology within defence and across the nation and with our allies. We're an enabler for defence capability and we work with the National Science and Technology Enterprise and partners to make sure we're solving defence's highest priority problems. I'm also the capability manager for science, technology and innovation across defence. That aspiration in doing that is not to control innovation top down, that never works, that does not make sense. The aspiration in that is to make sure that we create a system in which good ideas can pull through, be tested in a real context, get into the hands of the ADF early, can be focused on our highest priority problems, and that we can remove the barriers to quickly accelerating and maturing technology. 
Defence has really ambitious goals with capability. We, to achieve them, must work differently. We have to reduce the barriers between defence, public service, industry, universities and our international partners. And one of the best ways to do that is to increase the capacity of our people and our leaders they were the two words that came up earlier today, to be able to work across organisations. And it's very difficult to do that if you don't understand what it's like to stand in the shoes of the other, which is why we've been working very hard to activate some mobility programs that allow people within defence to go out and work in universities in industry and vice versa. Now, if I reflect back, Historically, defence in Australia has tended to acquire products from large multinational companies who then themselves acquire or adopt emerging technologies to meet the needs of their largest customers. This doesn't give us the agility we need to meet the changing strategic context. Thankfully now, our policy position and our courage as a nation has changed, and we recognise the potential for Australian companies, particularly small to medium enterprises, to produce their own innovative solutions. So a significant feature of Australia's defence industry policy is a focus on building expertise within Australian industry to support the sovereign industry capability priorities. We're actively now working with partner nations to improve and evolve our innovation systems, learning from each other. And in doing that, we can then help accelerate the opportunities for Australian companies in allied supply chains. Back in May 2020, we launched the More Together Defence Science and Technology Strategy, which sets the scene for the next 10 years of science and technology development within Australia. The core concepts within More Together uh, that we focus on defence's most significant challenges, that we generate scale by working with partners across the innovation system, and that we deliver impact by focusing on transitioning the most promising solutions to defence capability. At the heart of this strategy are our star shots, which are hairy, audacious missions articulated by our service chiefs. Problems they know they need to solve, which can't be addressed by current day science and technology. Now, noting that this is the Space and Air Power Conference, I'm going to use the remaining time that I've got to just pick out a couple of examples that I think really tell the story of what we can do working differently in this way. And then I look forward to some of your questions on the panel to pull out any of these elements further. We all know that we critically rely on space technologies for prosperity and security, but that there's increasing risks in the use of space. And a key challenge for us in space is the rate at which technological disruption is occurring and the rate at which it's becoming contested and congested. So we need um, to focus on what we can do to change that dynamic. One of our key approaches is through the resilient multi-mission space starshot, which was established to focus defence's activities in this area on a key problem. We are focused on delivering small satellite systems and missions to explore and demonstrate resilient, disruptive space-based technologies and operating concepts for ADF. The first missions are now currently under preparation in early 2024, and we're looking for opportunities to bring them left. 
We're partnering very actively with industry across Australia through mechanisms like the SmartSat CRC, which is the largest ever aggregation of our space researchers and space companies. Some of the things we're doing there is include projects on combining radio frequency and optical frequency communications and putting compact clocks on satellites that can give GPS-denied um, uh, navigation timing in GPS-denied environments. A lovely example that shows how we've done this recently is the Buccaneer CubeSat program, or Bucky for short. In collaboration with Air Force, DSTG worked with the University of New South Wales in Canberra to undertake the Buccaneer CubeSat program. And following initial success in 2017-2018, we commenced work on the main mission CubeSat system. A key partner in this program is the company Innovore Technologies in Adelaide, and they're building the 6U satellite bus for this mission and working with us in defence to integrate payloads. This has helped us build the skills that we need to get great ideas in space and to make it easier for our collaborators to be able to put their ideas on missions and test their utility in a defence-relevant context. Another relevant example in space is that the Advanced Radio Frequency Payload Research Network, which was established mid last year, to be able to develop and demonstrate advanced wide area surveillance capabilities for Australia's vast maritime regions. Our objective here is demonstrating an affordable all-weather payload for a small satellite-based system that can be scaled to provide a resilient layer in Defence's maritime domain monitoring capability. Earlier today, we heard about the Russian shoot-down of one of their own satellites. What you might not know is at the very time that happened serendipitously, we, alongside Air Force and the Australian Space Agency and Australian industry and academia and international partners, were in the very process of testing some of our systems for space situational awareness. And we're able to actually actively test the utility of those systems to monitor the generation and propagation of debris from that collision. This is a wonderful example of bringing emerging technology to a real problem, just unexpected, and it required resilience. Some other examples then before I finish on the broad themes of this conference. DSTG successfully developed and commercialised a world-first wing kit technology to convert a dumb bomb into a guided munition. And this joint direct attack munition, Extended Rage JDAM ER, is the culmination of a long-term partnership with industry and across defence, in particular with Boeing. This device consists of a set of deployable wings, a steerable tail unit, navigation and targeting systems that result in a low-cost, long-range precision glide bomb that triples the range of a standard JDAM. It's a wonderful example of Australian innovation at work and shows what we can do together. The US Air Force has already done follow-on tests on this system to demonstrate novel methods for deployment. We heard today also about Ghost Bat. I think it'll take us a while to train ourselves out of saying loyal wingmen. We've been very active partners with um, Boeing and Air Force from the start. Our wind tunnels were used to help refine and test some of the original designs. And now we're actively focused on the human machine elements 
and developing through live virtual constructive environments really clear models and scenarios for how ADF platforms can work together in operational scenarios. So just as I wrap up and we lead into the panel, I think we're at a moment in time where we need to challenge and change the way we innovate for defence. It's not okay now simply to identify an emerging technology, invest in it and hope it delivers. We need to keep that mission orientation, that purpose front of mind, and we do that by making sure we get emerging solutions into the hands of the warfighters as early as possible, and that we do that in militarily relevant contexts and scenarios. One wonderful example that's happening in just a few months is at RIMPAC, PACRIM rather, sorry, where we're taking some of the quantum-assured PNT devices developed by our industry and universities across our nation with Five Eyes collaborators and testing it in a maritime environment. That will give us a sense of how they can be used and how we can accelerate the development of quantum-assured PNT. So as I wrap up, we've been really focused on what we can do to change and grow the innovation system to be able to develop resilience. And to this end, we have, I'd like to give a small advertisement for something called ADSTAR. ADSTAR is Australian Defence Science and Technology conference, the inaugural summit, which is happening in Sydney in July this year, and the theme of the ADSTAR summit is indeed resilience. We have three key themes for this conference, which really allow us to focus on what we need to do differently together and how we grow the relationships across our systems to deliver that resilience. We'll be asking questions such as what techniques and tools and approaches would allow us to adapt and monitor systems to know how resilient they are? How can we help personnel develop some of the cognitive and emotional resilience that allows them to function at times of high cognitive load? And how do we facilitate rapid agile learning in our human systems? So if any of these topics interest you, please log on and have a look at the ADSTAR site um, and register because there'll be a chance to engage with our ADF, with our scientists and technologists, not just from DSTG, but from across the nation and from a number of our allied nations as well. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you for being part of the Air and Space Power Centre's 2022 Air and Space Power Conference which was proudly sponsored by principal sponsor Boeing, major sponsors L3 Harris, Rolls-Royce and Lockheed Martin. If you are looking to consume, contest or contribute to airspace power, please visit www.airpower.airforce.gov.au.